Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. Good morning. Okay, so uh, today I am recording um, in, is it Avondale Estates, Georgia? just outside of Atlanta, um, parked with extended family here. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, happened while I was in Alabama. So um, the pace of this trip is going so fast. Um, I wish I had twice, I've got four months and I wish I had twice as much time. It'd be nice to like do one thing process it, do another thing, process it, but it hasn't been working that way. Um, so day before yesterday, um, had a day that really epitomizes what I want this trip to be about. Um, so each of the three segments, um, for this podcast are going to be on a different place that I've visited. So the first one, um, this is Fonsdale Plantation outside of Fonsdale, Alabama, Um, I went there, I went to Selma, and I went to the Center for uh, Peace and Justice in Montgomery. Um, Vonsdale Plantation is um, one of the few plantations that has, still has its slave quarters uh, in Alabama. And um, so it is listed on the um, Register of Historic Sites. And based on that site, I had used the GPS coordinates to to go looking for it. Um, Woke up at 5 o'clock, I think, um, to go to the bathroom and ended up just staying up. So I was out of the house by 6.30 and um, got there at about 9, I guess. And um, I was not able to find the plantation, um, but I was able to find a burial ground Uh, St. Michael's churchyard or cemetery and um, in the north side of the cemetery they have um, that's where the slaves were buried the earliest one um, was a house servant named Barbary who was buried in 1860 and the last person to be buried in that part of the cemetery was in 1960s one of the descendants of the uh, slaves that had worked on that plantation Um, there is a style that marks the back part. And um, we've got a little frog joining in over here at the pond. (laughs) Good morning. And um, so there is a style that marks names. And if you go to my YouTube channel at Witchy Ways, W-Y-T-C-H-Y, if you go to my YouTube channel at Witchy Ways, then uh, one of my sitting out videos is there at the cemetery and I read their names. Um, So I would definitely recommend you checking that out. Um, I came and brought offerings and um, just sat for a while. And what I got from them is that they're very well taken care of. Um, 
there are people their people know that they're there and they come to visit fairly regularly so they told me they were very well taken care of and um sitting in that space it really got me reflecting about um and it's something that i've been thinking about since i had gone to the um the old plateau cemetery in mobile alabama where many members um, ancestors of those that were on the Clotilda, the last slave ship to come into America, were buried. Um, that cemetery is very noisy. Um, I also did a YouTube video there. Um, and I'll, uh, I can put a, I, I did take a sound sampling, so I'll work that into this podcast so that you can just hear that. Um, it was very, very noisy. And um, it upset me. It got me a little angry. And the smell of gas was so thick in the air that I had a headache the rest of the day. Um, that section of the bay in Mobile is got oil refineries and oil storage and things like that there. So the smell of gas is really, really heavy in the air. Um, and I did see other people coming into the cemetery to look at graves and things like that. So, um, so it's clear that the people... Um, that people are, you know, it's a very active cemetery. Um, but, um, on reflecting on the old plateau cemetery and the agitation and anger that I had about how noisy and busy it was, um, I realized how many other people have no place at all, um, there, there's no markers of their graves. Um, there are entire peoples that we're not even really sure where they lived. There's no marker to go visit um, to give us an impetus to try to learn more. Um, and that's on this continent and in Europe, right? Like the Roman colonization um, and the Christianization of Europe really wiped out. There's a lot of people, um, we don't even know their tribe names, blood on their names. Um, and so I guess, you know, that happened in Europe and, and then it's happened. We came over here and did it here too. Because we haven't healed that wound yet. Um, but the St. Michael Cemetery at Fonsdale Plantation, um, it's off a small country road. It was quite quiet. Um, I wasn't able to find the plantation. I think I saw a road where it might have been down, but there were lots of no trespassing, do not enter signs. Um, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm in backcountry Alabama, so um, I'm, I'm not going to do that. People there love their guns. Um, same kind of thing with the slave quarters. I do believe I passed the slave quarters, but again, um, it's a small country road and the ditches were pretty steep. and. Um, so there wasn't really a place to pull off, and the, the gate that would have gotten me closest to there had um, do not enter signs everywhere. Um, but as I was reading the names in Fonsdale, um, there were lots of families, and uh, the research that I had done on the plantation, um, the owners had, I think, initially started with like 99 or 100 slaves, and uh, grew them naturally by allowing them to stay in families 
Um, which, you know, is a sort of sickening concept, but uh, at the same time, it had me really thinking about the comfort of family and um, being able to be have your family as a, a source of support and a means of resource when enduring um, slavery. And, um, you know, I was raised in the South, so I've certainly met people, um, that, and it, there's certainly a history here of people that are so grounded in their hatred and bigotry that even if it hurts them, financially or otherwise, um, it's the principle of the matter, right? Um, so I'm very grateful that that particular plantation owner was not so grounded in the principle of white supremacy that they felt like they needed to break these families up um, because that that's a tremendous mercy. In conversations that I had with the folks at the um, National, National Park Service office in downtown Selma, um, one of the women was from Massachusetts and was saying that, um, you know, when we talked about this, this idea of family being a resource and what a sort of, you know, almost hidden mercy to the slave owners in, in any way, um, being allowed to stay in the families was. And um, she was saying that uh, there's been a, there was a lot of like slave growing, quote unquote, um, in the New England area. And so um, they, in New England, they would take the babies from the mothers and split the families up and then ship them to the South. So after slavery had been banned, um, you know, the, the slavery, the importation of slaves had been banned. Let me correct that. The, after the importation of slaves had been banned, the slave trade was still very, very active within the United States. Um, with uh, people splitting up families in the north and shippers from New England shipping slaves from the north to the south. And um, so I. I uh, would like to do a little more research on that and probably have a podcast on that later. Um, but it is one of the things, I think, being a Southerner, um, you know, I've carried a lot of guilt about this for a really long time and done a lot of work to try to wriggle out from underneath it or process it or metabolize it somehow. And um, when I was younger, I really felt like the South was this sort of... Um, unique in its hatred and bigotry and backwardsness and um, ignorance and you know in my travels I realized that there there are ignorant hateful people absolutely everywhere <laughs> and that uh, the South absolutely does not have a uh, does not have exclusive rights on those human qualities um, and you know being in the Netherlands for 10 years the same kind of thing like the Dutch um, you could almost say the Dutch started the slave trade right like they certainly invented multinational corporations, um, which without multinational corporations, the slave trade would have been uh, almost impossible. It certainly was the system that helped that happen. Um, they invented capitalism as we know it, 
and they were huge in the slave trade. And that is something that is not really talked about um, in the Netherlands. And um, they like to shake their finger at us, but claiming that history, um, at least when I was there, was not something that had happened yet. So, um, you know, this, as a Southerner, there is a urgency in taking responsibility for this and facing the history. Um, but it, it really is something that, especially as Americans, um, we, we're all complicit in this. So finding out how your local history participated in it um, can be very eye-opening. at the old plateau Africatown Cemetery north of Mobile, Alabama. Many of the ancestors of the Clotilda are buried here. The Clotilda was the last slave ship to enter America. Came in through Mobile Bay 50 years after the importation of slaves had been banned. A man did it on a dare. He went to Benin to pick people up, to buy people, and bring them back. And this is where many of the ancestors of those people are buried. I just wanted you to hear how loud it is. The grouds are unkempt. There are several grand trees, but it's not all shaded. Dragonflies whiz by. And the air, the smell of gas is making me a little dizzy. Right before turning in, you pass by all the cranes and oil storage units that are on the bay. Still a place dedicated to the business of grinding up the earth and anyone that stands in their way. As a white woman, my people, even the poor ones, are buried in quiet places. They call them memorial gardens.
But as you can hear, this is not a quiet place. While at Vonsdale, um, they did tell me that they're well taken care of. And um, research that I had done about the plantation was saying that something that was very unique to Fonsdale was that um, whenever the master would go through the property, through the fields, that um, the, the men, the slave men, would you know, take off their hats and, uh, and greet him and the, the slave women would curtsy. And so the way that it was written about and the things that I looked at was like, oh, you know, such a, he was such a good master and look how the slaves treated him when he approached. And, um, and there is something to be said for having actual graves. Um, credit should be given there. But I wondered, you know, um, having lived in a family that found it very important to present in a particular way to people, I mean, it's very characteristic of sort of narcissistic um, people, is that they're very concerned about how they look to others. Um, so living in their houses and being behind closed doors with them is really horrible. Um, so they're just nasty, nasty, nasty to the people that they know. and kind and generous and gracious with those that they don't and coming from that background it really made me wonder um, how severe the beatings were or what happened to groom that behavior in his slaves um, and after sitting there at the site for a little while um, they told me that the beatings were rare but when they happened they were absolutely vicious um, I got small glimpses of things. I didn't, I don't know whether they didn't want to show me or if I wasn't able to look, more importantly, feel. Um, so it was one of those, um, you know, when it did happen that it was in incredibly extreme to teach a lesson, um, which is a parlance that, you know, I certainly grew up with. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Did you learn your lesson? You don't ever seem to learn your lesson, right? And, um, and this sort of attitude that violence is how you teach. Um, that is, um, that was really pervasive in my family and is certain, certainly um, still very much alive in this part of the world um, and other places too I'm sure but it's something that I had noticed in conversations um, while I was in Alabama and, um, and it made me think about some of the things that I had gone through growing up so um, so it's really you know um, when reading histories and uh, for those whose ancestors were part, uh, were on the other end of that, you know, um, it, it's probably already there to know that when the history gives these kinds of um, descriptions, uh, that they're controlling the narrative to try to make it sound like it wasn't that bad, um, so that they 
can avoid the discomfort of facing what it was. Um, to really know that what's happening behind the scenes for there to be that kind of behavior on a plantation that every time the slave master walks by, women are curtsying, the slave women are curtsying, and the slave men are tipping their hat and saying, good morning, sir. Um, that they would stand up. It said in the narrative that, you know, they would stand up from their work and do that. So, um, and there is this, um, Stockholm Syndrome. Several of the articles I've been reading lately, they've talked a lot about Stockholm Syndrome. And um, I've been listening to Clarissa Pinkola Estes, um, The Late Bloomer. And she also talks quite a bit about Stockholm Syndrome um, and the things that she's talking about there and how, you know, people... She's talking specifically about um, immigrants that have come to this country that are escaping political persecution and these kinds of things. And um, that, you know, after leaving these very extreme situations, um, coming into America and, 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 you know, this sort of mentality was adopted before they even left, right? That, well, uh, the officers didn't shoot me today and they let me... Um, they let me go ahead and gather more wheat so that I'd have enough to make bread. So, you know, they're not all bad, <laughs> right? Um, this is really like a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing. Like, okay, well, they didn't shoot you today, but they did shoot, uh, they did sh shoot Marcus yesterday, right? So, um, and I think that, uh, that certainly happens once people come here and, and I'm sure that the same dynamic is at play um, when we're talking about the dynamics between slaves and their owners, um, it's the human mind is amazing at developing strategies to um, that that improve our resilience, right? That enable us to endure absolutely horrific. Um, situations and environments so that we can live on to have children that will hopefully have a better way and um, and I think that you know every psychological tool that you can imagine was employed including believing that your master was a good master Okay, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, cemetery etiquette. So if you've been inspired to go visit some cemeteries yourself, um, then, you know, the, the first rule really is just respect and humility. Um, have good manners, you know. Um, seeing this place as still being full of life and full of, uh, persons, if you will, that, um, that deserve honor, respect, and to be treated with manners, 
the same way that living humans would be. Um, if you're walking in with that kind of attitude, then it's going to help you a lot. And um, you'll want to take a physical offering. And I know that, you know, uh, in the West, in America, uh, we kind of have this, this attitude. I think Protestantism has probably had a big influence on this, that uh, we should just be able to bring our good intentions and that's enough. Um, but, you know, you, you felt moved to take a physical act and go to a physical place. And so it's good to leave a physical offering, right? Um, and you're going to the place is part of that offering. It really is. Um, but it's, it's good to leave a physical offering, right? Um, sort of old school manners is that you would always take a host gift, right? If you're going to visit someone in their home. So think of it kind of that way. You're, you're, you're taking a host gift. Um, you may want to drop in before going and see if you get an answer as to what kind of thing they would like for you to bring. Um, the answer I got for these two particular cemeteries was sweet bread and honey. Um, so I, I got King's Hawaiian rolls and some honey from the area. Um, I also took flowers. Um, so, you know, just kind of drop in and see what's there. If there's something you have personal that you'd like to offer um, for, a, you know, a specific reason, then you can take that. When you enter, um, you're going to want to be very careful not to walk on where the bodies would be laying, right? So imagine people sort of laying down in cots, don't walk on their beds. Um, by the same kind of token, you're, you're not going to want to um, just plop yourself down. <laughs> you know, uh, if somebody's got like a, a concrete marker that raises up like a seat, you know, ask permission uh, before you sit somewhere, before you're setting things on somewhere. Um, and, uh, and wait for the answer, right? Um, just because you ask nicely doesn't mean you have a right so, so wait, wait for the answer. Um, and uh, you're going to want to make the offerings, uh, kind of declare your intentions and make the offerings pretty quickly after getting in. Um, you'll want to go ahead and do that first. And again, just as you would um, if you take a, a host gift to someone, um, you walk in, you thank them for receiving you, you give them the gift, right? So, uh, so you'll want to kind of follow that same, those same kinds of manners. It's a very similar situation. So, um, and, uh, you know, while you're there, you can state your intentions. Um, if you're there to, uh, make amends or, uh, bear witness, then you can state that intention and be still. And, um, you know, you, I, I was able to connect, um, very grateful to be able to connect in both Old Plateau and at St. Michael's, but I don't really expect that everywhere. It is a gift. Um, and I understand if people don't want to come out to talk to me. Um, likewise, they don't have to accept my apologies, but I need to make them, 
um, for my own spiritual and emotional hygiene, uh, for my own healing, for my family's healing, for the healing of the land. Uh, I, I, I need to make my apologies. So, um, so kind of keep that in mind too, right? That, uh, just because we make the apologies doesn't mean they have to be accepted, but, um, but we need to make them. It's important. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, to kind of sum up again, like take a physical offering, uh, drop in and see what they want, make the offering, uh, when you get there pretty soon after getting there, you'll want it to be one of the first things that you do, um, before you settle in somewhere or put things down, ask permission and make sure that that's the right place. Um, like in the old plateau, for example, um, I asked which tree was best for me to sit down under. And, uh, there was one particular tree that called. So I went under there and then, you know, there were a few, um, sort of concrete slabs that were raised a little bit and there wasn't really place to, you know, there were a lot of ants. Um, there was a very active ant mound kind of by the tree. So I, I couldn't really sit down there. Um, and you know, I've, I've got arthritis in my hips and knees. And so, um, standing for a really long time, um, wasn't really going to work for me. So, so there were a couple of, uh, graves that were raised a little bit. And I asked if I could sit on the edge and, uh, waited for a second and I got a yes. And I started to put like my purse down on the marker that was next to it and um and heard a very definite no not there here um so i removed my things quickly and um you know it's it's kind of like sitting on someone's bed if you're uh visiting someone who's in bed then um you're you're not going to just plop yourself down right and you're going to ask permission if it's okay and then when you do sit you're mindful that you're on someone's bed um, and, you know, sit near the edge and be respectful and, um, just always being aware that you're in someone else's space and being really mindful and respectful of that. So yeah, if you're remembering these things, then, um, uh, you should be able to navigate it well and moving with humility and respect and listening carefully for instructions, um, uh, should keep you within bounds and hopefully it'll be, uh, a really good experience. Blessed be. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already subscribe to the podcast, that way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, got to be weird and wild about it, you know. So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.